0: To come together uh, to reconnect after the Christmas season, and uh, it's it's uh, good to connect and share stories and uh, about what God uh, has been doing and what God is doing. Um, as uh, many of you have spent time with, with family and friends these past few weeks, and, and um, I just realized that uh, not for the first time, but you know, as a as a church community, uh, God has made us a family as well. And as you look around, those people sitting next to you this morning, uh, whether they're your real family or whether they're your church family, um, God has brought us together for a reason. And uh, I'm just I'm just thankful for that. And the, the weeks that we weren't able to see each other, I know many of you were out and about and seeing family and friends and traveling, um, it's just good to be back together. And I hope that you sense that as well, and then as you look around that you know that these people are your family. These people are your family. And we're here together uh, to worship this morning. So it's good to be back. Um, So in light of our uh, crazy winter weather lately of of snow and ice and flooding and whatever else Iowa throws at us, um, I got a quick joke uh, for us this morning. Um, It was autumn, and the Indians on a remote reservation uh, asked their chief if the winter uh, was gonna be cold or if it was gonna be mild uh, that year. And since he was a chief that was living in a modern society, um, he'd never really been taught the the secrets, the ins and outs of how uh, his tribe had um, kind of predicted the weather uh, without modern technology. And and so when he looked at the sky, um, he couldn't quite tell if it was gonna be a cold winter or not. And so nevertheless, to be on the safe side, um, he replied uh, to his tribe um, that the winter was indeed going to be cold they probably lived in Iowa, and uh, that they should begin collecting wood, uh, just to be prepared. But, also being a practical Indian chief, uh, several days later, he actually uh, called the National Weather Service and asked the, the uh, uh, weatherman there, um, is this going to be a cold winter or not? And the meteorologist replied, um, well, yes, it looks like it's going to be quite cold winter. And so the chief went back to his people and said, I want you to collect even more wood. The meteorologist even said, I want you to collect even more wood to be prepared. So... Uh, Just to be prepared, a week later, he called the National Weather Service again. He asked the meteorologist, are you sure it's gonna be a really cold winter? And yes, the man at the Weather Service replied. "Um, It's gonna be a very cold winter. And so the chief uh, went back to his people again. He said, okay, we just gotta collect every piece of scrap wood we can find. It's just gonna be an extremely cold winter. And uh, two weeks later, it wasn't so cold quite yet, and, and two weeks later, he called the Weather Service again and said, are you absolutely sure that this winter is going to be really, really cold. Oh, absolutely, the weatherman said. It's going to be one of the coldest winters ever. And the Indian chief said, how can you be so sure? And the weatherman said, well, done. The Indians are collecting wood like crazy. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks for laughing. Sometimes we we just can't predict uh, the weather. It's crazy. Well, if you need a Bible today, we're going to be going through uh, some scriptures. The references will be up on the screen, but at the end of the row, if you need one, go ahead and just raise your hand. Um, There's three or four Bibles on the end of each row, and you can just kind of pass those down. Um, If you need one, um, you can get in the habit of bringing yours. Um, Just raise your hand. There's no shame in that. Um, You'll want it today. We're going to be looking up some scriptures that won't be on the screen. Um, And uh, if you don't have a Bible and you need one... um, Take it from us. Steal it. It's okay. It's yours. You can take it home with you. Um, so go ahead and get in the habit of bringing your Bible. We are, um, as you've heard, we're entering in 2009, the year of the Bible, and uh, we're going to be studying God's Word every single week, um, even more than we have in the past, and really digging through these scriptures and becoming fluent, as we're calling it, becoming fluent in Bible. And so um, today, uh, what I thought we'd do is uh, just begin the year by getting the big picture of of what we're after here. Um, it's easy just to really jump into a topic at the beginning of the year, uh, to rush into it and to start these weekly readings and, and jump into the small groups. I know that many of you are doing that, and we're totally stoked. We're excited for that. Um, but as we do, as we begin this new year, I believe that it's so important to remember why we're doing it. Because as Christians, when our uh, motivation comes from within, uh, when our motivation comes from a relationship rather than I should or I ought to, that's when it becomes real. That's when this stuff starts to get exciting. Um, Because when you're in a relationship, and we're talking about a relationship with God, uh, listening to, serving, um, learning about the other person is just natural, right? When you're in love with someone, it's natural. You want to be with them. You want to learn more about them. And so that's the way it should be. And in the same way, our relationship with Jesus, and with Jesus through this written word, we can have a relationship with Jesus through that as well. And so I was thinking this week, um, and I feel like God was, was just impressing this on, on me, that, that maybe the, the most important thing for us to do this next year, as we, as we enter in as a community to the year of the Bible, is not just to get through the Bible. The most important thing is not just to get through the Bible, but to let the Bible get through us. To let the Bible get through us and watch as Jesus transforms us from the inside out. And so what I'd like to do today is just walk through a few different passages that remind us of the why. Because we'll have plenty of the what, but maybe first we can start with the why. Some verses that speak to the motivation that comes from within, the motivation that starts with a relationship with God. Because whether it's the year of the Bible... Or whether it's any routine or any discipline that you've tried to start, maybe you have made some New Year's resolutions. And you're like, okay, starting today, this is what I'm going to do. And we want the year of the Bible to be like that. But we also know that if it's going to be, if you're going to be in it for the long haul, if we're going to make it through, if you're going to get stuck up in Genesis or Leviticus, or if you're reading the New Testament, if you're going to get stuck in Matthew, um, we know that that can't come from just ourselves. That we can't do that by ourselves. And so we know that there's got to be something bigger and stronger that's moving in us and creating passion, something more than just feelings. Because I'm sure that many of you have tried this before and you're like, okay, I'm going to do it. Here's the Bible. Here we come. And then February rolls around and you're like, oh, I can't do this another day, you know? And we've all been there. On our own strength, we can't sustain it on our own. And it's got to be something more than feelings. And for us in our walks with Jesus, we know that Jesus is that power that the strength and the source of that passion comes from the Holy Spirit moving and working in us. Because without Jesus, without the Holy Spirit, without us inviting him into our lives this year, we're not going to grow. We're not going to go anywhere as followers. And so we're reading through the Bible this year because we're learning what it means as a community here at City Branch to be fully devoted followers of Jesus. That's what we're after. If somebody asks you, what's this whole year in the Bible thing about? Why are you spending so much time on small groups and and, and laying out these daily readings? It's because it's such a big part of being fluent in the scriptures, of knowing God's word. It's such a big part of becoming a fully devoted follower of Jesus. That's our goal here at City Ranch. Whether it's a small group or an outreach project or setting up chairs or pouring coffee, whatever we do, it's all for that goal. That's our target. And we know that Jesus is the motivation for that. That we're not here to just read the Bible. We're here to read the Bible so we can know Jesus. He's the ending point. And since the days that the Bible was written, the good news of Jesus has transformed billions of lives and changed the world. And there is no one else in the course of human history that has impacted the world as much as Jesus. And so we're going to look at a couple of scriptures today from the Apostle Paul. And the reason I chose the Apostle Paul is because this becomes the central theme of his life, and I think that he spells it out for us in our scripture that we read today and in a few other ones, that Jesus is the answer, and without him, we're not going to grow. And so if you would, turn with me to 1 Corinthians 15. That's going to be towards the back of your Bible, after the Gospels. It's going to go Acts, Romans, and then 1 Corinthians. There's two books of Corinthians, 1 Corinthians and 2 Corinthians, excuse me. And... uh, that is what we're going to go to. 1 Corinthians chapter 15. So you're going to look for the big number 15. And a little number 3. So 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 3. That's where we're going to start today. And if you got it, say, I got it. All right. So here in Corinthians, just to give you a little bit of background, Paul, Paul is talking to a church that he helped plant in the city of Corinth. And um, for lack of better terms, Corinth is kind of messed up. (laughs) Corinth is not the kind of... If you have kids, you would say, don't go to Corinth. Stay away. Don't be in a dark alley at night. Corinth Corinth was kind of a a town where uh, people were just doing lots of immoral things. It was a trading town kind of the the center of two um, uh, land masses and a trading post. And Corinth just had a lot of different things going on. And so Paul, um, Paul is writing a letter to them to this church that he started to encourage them and to remind them of what's the most important thing that they need to remember. So he's at the end of his letter. And if you, usually when you're writing a letter to someone, you want to write something kind of important at the end, right? Or a phone call, you always say, Goodbye, I love you, I'll see you tomorrow. You want to leave someone with the most important thing. And so Paul has to summarize it all up. And so before we get to that scripture, I want to ask you a question. Wherever you go tomorrow... And after we leave here and worship, maybe wherever you go later today, wherever you go tomorrow, whether it's work, school, back to your family, maybe you're hitting the road, whatever you're doing, and someone came up and asked you, What's the most important thing that you know? What's the most important thing that you know? What would it be? And don't just give me the Sunday school answer and just say, Jesus, I know that might be it. But think about it. What's the most important thing? that you know, because we know a lot of things, don't we? We live in an information age, and we're bombarded with information all the time. Um, The average, I'm sure these statistics have changed as it's continued, but the average house has probably more than two TVs now. Some people have one in their bathroom, in their kitchen, in their bedroom, in their living room. Wherever you go, there's a TV. We're constantly bombarded, and that average TV is on eight hours a day. The average person spends, this isn't right, three hours on the internet a day, I think we can jack that up a little bit. The average person spends a lot of time online every day, maybe more. And uh, so out of all those things that you digest, out of all that information that you're just being bombarded with every single day, what's the most important thing that you know? Or maybe what's the most important thing that must be known? And for you that are parents and even grandparents in the room, uh, what if one day your kids or your grandkids came up to you and they crawl up on your lap or came into your bedroom and and they ask you, Daddy, or Mommy, or Grandma, or Grandpa, what's the most important thing that you know? Daddy, you know so much about everything. Grandpa, you know so much. What's the most important thing that you know? And that's what I believe that Paul is wanting to get us to think about here in 1 Corinthians. So let's look at this together, starting in verse 1 uh, of chapter 15. Paul says, Now brothers, I want to remind you of the gospel I preached to you, which you received, on which you have taken your stand. By this gospel you are saved, if you hold firmly to the word I preached to you. Otherwise you have believed in vain. For what I received, I pass on to you of first importance, that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day, according to the scriptures. And it goes on from there. And what Paul is talking about here is the gospel, which really means good news. Gospel means good Good news. And we know that there's plenty of bad news in our world. These are tough times. Everywhere you look on the news, everywhere you look in the newspaper, it's bad news. But this is the message of good news which Paul is communicating to us today. Which, in fact, is not just good news, it's great news. For those of us that have put our trust in Jesus, this is the greatest news we could ever hear. Because Jesus has rescued us from sin and death. Without Him, we are dying. This is the greatest news we could ever hear. And that, as Paul says, that he died and he rose again on the third day to bring us that life that we're all looking for. That is the good news. And so, let's look at the second half of verse 1 now. Paul says, I want to remind you of the gospel I preached you, which you received, and on which you have taken your stand. In other words, Paul is saying it's not just about knowing something, it's about receiving it, about receiving the message. But so many of you are familiar with it. Paul's saying it's got to be received. Paul's saying that if this life of Jesus is going to take roots in you, it's got to be internalized. That your heart almost has to become a sponge that just soaks up the message. That believes deep down in the core of your being that you are loved by the God of the universe and there is nothing that is ever going to change the way that he feels about you. That is the greatest news that we could ever hear. But we know that it must be internalized. And then when that happens, when we not only hear it, but then we receive it, that it becomes this life-altering experience. And this transformation takes place from the inside out. And you are becoming somebody new. If Jesus is living inside of you today, you are becoming somebody new right now. Jesus is working in you. The Holy Spirit is working in you right now. Whether you feel it or not. And so now let's look uh, at verse 3. Um, Paul uses the words of first importance. A first importance that Christ died for our sins and he was raised on the third day. This is what's of first importance. So, of all the things you know, this is the most important truth of all. And we know that this isn't just lip service for Paul, but knowing Jesus became everything to him. And if you think you're so far away from Jesus that you think, you know what? You're the Bible. I haven't read my Bible in a year. How do I even get started? Or I haven't. Uh, maybe this is your first time to church. Maybe you're starting that new this year. Um, Paul was way, way, way far away from any sort of relationship with Jesus. He was persecuting Christians. He was ordering them to be killed. Hopefully, none of you are doing that in your occupations today. But that's what Paul was doing, and God turned his life around. And so God can do that in your life and in the lives of those around you, that you're like, oh, they would never get into this whole church thing. It's not about that. It's not about religion. It's about following Jesus. And so if you would, flip with me to uh, Philippians. It's going to be a few more books back. Philippians chapter 3. Acts, Romans, 1st, 2nd Corinthians, Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians. So it's going to be a few books back. Don't flip too many pages or you might miss it. Philippians chapter three verse seven is where we're going to start, and this is still Paul talking, and he's writing to the people in Philippi. Now, if you got it, say I'm ready. I'm ready. All right, so let's. Uh, actually, I think we've got verses, yeah, seven and eight here together on the screen. Let's read these together. But whatever was to my profit, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss compared to the surpassing greatness of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them rubbish, that I may gain Christ. This guy is obsessed. Usually when we talk about being obsessed with something, it's like, that's bad, it's like an addiction. Paul is addicted to Jesus. So much so that he says, everything else in my life, oh, it's great. You know, Paul was a scholar. He was a Pharisee. He knew all the scriptures by heart. But he said, that doesn't matter. Paul came from a rich family. He had everything that money could buy. He said, that doesn't matter because when I encounter Jesus, there's nothing that compares to that. That it's the greatest thing ever for the sake of knowing Jesus Christ. Paul says that is what it's all about. Paul has uncovered the heartbeat of Christianity. The heartbeat of following Jesus. And that's what all this Bible study, all this prayer, all this scripture memorization that we're going to do, all this worship, that's what it all points to. Knowing and experiencing the love and grace of Jesus to the point where nothing compares. I want to be able to say that. I want to be able to say that and know that in the core of my being. What's the greatest thing in the universe? What's the most important thing that you can know? It's the greatness of knowing Jesus Christ. Paul wasn't satisfied with his old life of just knowing the Scriptures. Jesus encounters some people like Paul, some some Pharisees. Later on in the Scriptures, he says, you're missing the whole point. You've got your head stuck in your Bibles because you think that you're going to find life in a book. But you're missing the point that the book points to a man, and that man's name is Jesus, and he is where you're going to find life. That's why we're doing the Year of the Bible." And so the question becomes, for us, do you know the one that you're reading about? Do you know him? Do you know the one to whom all the prophecies, all the stories in the Old Testament, all the stories in the Gospel, it's great to read them, but do you know the one that they're all pointing to? Do you know the one who we sing to every Sunday morning? Do you know the one who we pray to? Do you know the one... It's the reason why City Branch exists. As you read it, are these words coming to life through you? Because it's one thing to read it, and it's another thing to act upon it. And Jesus says to obey it. Our lives are called to have fruit. That we're not supposed to just be hearers of the word, but doers of the word as well. And I was thinking that maybe the best way for us to start 2009 is to just stop. For many of us, some of you need to slow down and reorientate your lives. Maybe you're so busy doing things for God that it's been a long time since you've just been with God. Since you just sat at his feet. And let him tell you what your priorities should be for the new year. Maybe it's time for others of you to take a fresh start and to remind yourself why you're on this pursuit. Because we can get so wrapped up in this whole religion thing. We can get so wrapped up in in, in being on ministry teams and going to Bible studies and, and visiting different churches that we forget, is that fire burning inside of me? Do I know the one that I'm singing about? Do I know the one I'm reading about? it becomes so much different from when it's birthed out of a relationship instead of, oh, I ought to, or I probably should. <laughs> all the other people in church are doing it. I don't want to be looked on differently. Or maybe for you, it's not so much the legalistic side of it, uh, and I'm growing, but maybe for you that you've tried it before. Maybe there's some of you today that are sitting there going, you know what, <laughs> this isn't this isn't for me. Uh, you know, John, this all sounds really good, and I've tried this before. Um... But I've tried to start new habits before, especially with reading the Bible. Um, I, I just can't do it. It's boring, to be honest. The scriptures are just boring. They, they're, they're not relevant to me. They don't make any sense. And, um, you know, I've tried this before, but I just, I've had a bad experience. And maybe you just have this bad taste in your mouth that you're just like, you know what? I've done this before. Maybe you were part of a, a church previously that the Word was just dry. That the only time you heard it was on Sunday morning. What kind of relationship with that would that be with your husband or your wife? If you were, to? I'll see you on Sunday morning. We're we're called to have a relationship with the Word, meaning that it's a part of our lives every day. Just as you kind of check in with your husband or your wife or your significant other, that that's the kind of relationship God wants us to have with Scripture. That when we wake up in the morning, we say, "Okay, God, it's you and me today, and we're walking together." And God, what do you want me to do? God, do you you want me to move? Do you want me to take this new job? Do you want me to go to this school? God wants to walk with us through. But for some of you, you've decided, ah, this is just the way that my relationship with God is. You know, I've tried it before. Um, I can do the whole Sunday morning church thing. I'll even go to a small group and hang out and have some food. But the whole, like, reading the Bible on every day, I just had some bad experience. I just got a bad taste in my mouth from that. This became very real to me a couple years ago. I was making a bowl of oatmeal. And if you're like me, a good bowl of oatmeal isn't complete without some raisins, without some brown sugar, and most importantly, cinnamon sprinkled on top. And so I'm all excited. It's Saturday morning. Um, I'm making this big, heaping bowl of oatmeal, and I've got the raisins on it, and it's fresh off the stove, and I've got the the brown sugar on it. It's melting in there. I'm so excited. I got my big spoon out. And uh, I've got the raisins on, I got the brown sugar on, and I reach up into the cupboard to grab the little uh, red and white container that's the cinnamon. Supposedly, and sprinkle it on, and not even looking because I'm so excited. I just take it off, and I'm kind of looking somewhere else, and I'm just sprinkling it on. And eager to take the first bite, I scoop some up, and I stick this big, huge scoop of oatmeal into my mouth. And I'm just kind of putting everything else away, and I'm chewing it. And before I know it, I'm just running over the thing, and I'm just, just spitting it out of the sink, like and I just yell to my roommates, I'm like, "That is the worst oatmeal I've ever tasted in my life," and I just, I just "Yeah!" And then I look back at the bowl, and I'm like, that's not cinnamon on top. And I look back at the little, look back at my bowl, and I look at the little container, and I turn it around, and it says, chicken seasoning. <laughs> and I'm like, that is not supposed to taste like that. And I tried to scrape it off the top, and it was just room. And I could not get that taste out of my mouth for the rest of the day. And so I look back on that, and then I think, wow, that really ruined my appetite for a long time. But I still love oatmeal. And I'm pretty sure it's still good for you. Maybe not the brown sugar, but it's good for you. And I'm afraid that a lot of us have maybe done the same thing in our experience with God's Word, is that many of us are sitting here this morning with such a bad taste of Bible study in our mouth. We just hear that word and we just cringe we just got this taste in our mouth, just this, these bad experiences that we've had at the church before. And you're like, you know what? This whole year of the Bible thing, that's just not for me. And for others of you, it's been boredom or irrelevance. For others of you, it's too confusing. I don't even know where to start. I don't even know where the book of Philippians is. And you know what? That's okay. And this is why we started talking off, started talking today first about the good news of Jesus. Because without the good news of Jesus, the word can't come alive to us. It's just going to be a bad taste in our mouth. And the good news for every single one of you this morning is this that no matter where you're at on your journey, no matter what taste or experiences you've had of church or reading God's word together, today is a fresh start. Jesus says, My mercy is new every single morning. Not just because it's the start of a new year. Not just because we're doing a year of the Bible. It's because today, and every single day, God's grace is big enough to meet you right where you are. So let's go back one more time to our scripture for today and see how Paul describes this. Um, Into the uh, Philippians verse. Let's go to uh, uh, verse 10. Paul says... I want to know Christ, the power of his resurrection, the fellowship of sharing in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, and so somehow to attain the resurrection from the dead. But then notice what Paul says here. Notice how he responds to this idea that I don't have it all together. I mess up. I'm imperfect. I don't have it all together. Paul says this, verse 12. Not that I have already obtained all this or have already been made perfect, but I press on to take hold of that which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining towards what is ahead, I press on towards the goal, to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. What Paul is saying here is that God's grace is big enough to meet him right where he is. Paul says, I know where I want to go, I want to be fluent in God's word. I know where I want to go. I want to be a better follower of Jesus. But I'm not there yet. And that's okay because the past does not define who I am. And maybe 2008 was a rough year for you. But God wants you to know this morning that the past does not define who you are. That every single day, he says, my grace is big enough for you today.
1: If you had a bad
0: experience, if you had a death in your family, if there's some sickness or illness going around, that doesn't have to define you. It's real, and life is hard. But maybe it's time to have a fresh start with God. Maybe it's time to move on from all those bad tastes and all those bad experiences of the past and to follow hard after Jesus. Paul says to press on towards the goal. And we do all of that. And we study God's word. And we get active in small groups and we come to worship. Not to earn God's love, but because we are loved. But because we are loved. Paul didn't just get through the scriptures. He let the scriptures get through him. And it changed his life. And so do you know that love today? Are you ready to start living as Paul did? Letting grace and love be your motivation rather than guilt? Do you want to make 2009 a year to remember? Start it off by letting the most important thing be the center of your life. Do you want to give the greatest gift to your spouse, to your children, to your grandchildren, to your friends this year? Do you want to to give them the the greatest gift you could ever get get them? Let the scriptures get through you and start living it. Let the word come alive in your life, that's how you make an impact in 2009. This Christmas, uh, we went up to Minnesota to my grandparents' house, and uh, in Minnesota, and they live on a farm, and they lived there for a long time. And all the children and many of the grandchildren, um, who are also now grown and have kids of their own, have, have a lot of them have moved away. But every year at Christmas, uh, a lot of us gathers. gathers Sure, many of you. Have And we gather there for Christmas. And so we were all gathered in a big circle in the living room and, and, uh, and probably 25 of us or so. Um, and not to mention all the people that weren't there. And our, our grandparents have six kids, 18 grandkids, and five, or, yeah, 18 grandkids, and five great-grandkids. And so there's a lot of people. And in the midst of all the craziness and opening presents and throwing wrapping paper at each other, I look over and I, I look at my grandpa and grandma uh, with all these gifts on their laps. And I can just tell that they're completely overwhelmed. But they're not overwhelmed because of all the presence on their laps. They're overwhelmed because they're looking around at this huge family that knows Jesus. And that's not to say that, oh, look at this family, they're better. Maybe your family's not quite like that. Maybe there's some dysfunction and some issues that you're still working out but what I saw in their eyes was joy because they know that there is a family around them, that this this is their garden, this is their harvest, this is what they've spent their lives on, is relationships. Because it all started when two people fell in love. And they have been faithful for over 60 years because they made the most important thing the center. And they're reaping a harvest of that. That's how you have an impact. I want my life to have an impact in 2009. I want to make a difference this year. I want the most important thing about my life, this relationship with Jesus, to be what I know my relationship's on, my schedule, my priorities. But we know that none of us can make it on our own. And the Holy Spirit is here today to empower you to do that. And you are surrounded today by people that are going to walk beside you as you pursue it. I can't wait for what God is going to do at City Branch in 2009. Don't miss it. Come along for the ride and hold on tight, because God is going to do some amazing things in us and through us. Let's stand together.